Well, good morning. Wow, it has, uh, it's been a hot second since I stood up here and was able to deliver the word of the Lord here. I don't even know if that's appropriate to say. I just hear it a lot. I thought it sounded cool. Um, if you're online, you can uh, create a little chat there as to whether or not that was appropriate to say or not. I hear it a lot all the time, it's mostly from the young people, and since it's been 17 years since I was able to preach here at Lakeview, which basically means I'm old, I thought I might try and feel a little bit younger in saying that. If you were here 17 years ago and heard me preach before, and I'm old, maybe I shouldn't complete that thought. Well, if you are here this morning or if you're gathering with us online, welcome. We do appreciate so much that you've chosen to worship with us. If you've been here over the last few weeks and heard some of the people who have brought the word of the Lord to us, you've, you'll know that we've been in these kingdom parables in Matthew 13. And we've learned a lot of things through these kingdom parables. Um, these are stories that uh, Jesus told to his followers so that they might understand a little bit more about what this kingdom of heaven is all about. Now, we like to think of the kingdom of heaven a lot of times in terms of the eternal kingdom that will be coming at some point. You know, when the twinkling of an eye or when we're all changed or when we're called out of the grave and we go up to be with Jesus in the kingdom of our Father forever, which will be a great and glorious day. That, that was a good spot for an amen. I thought, I thought Pastor Chris had taught you better than this by now. It's going to be a great day in that, when that last trumpet sounds and we go home to be with the Lord forever. It is going to be a good day. But that's not what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 13. That is not, at least the fullness of the kingdom, is not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about not the kingdom that will be then and there, but here and now. Jesus is talking about what it's like to be kingdom dwellers here and now. This is a kingdom that Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, just earlier in the Gospel of Matthew said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We live, at least in part, in the kingdom of heaven right now. And Jesus gives these parables to let his disciples know and to let us know today what it's like to live in the kingdom of heaven even while we are here on earth. So we've learned some things. We've looked at several of the parables. We looked at the parable of the, the soils, the sower. We looked at the parable of the yeast and the mustard seed. We looked at the parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl of great price. And some things that we've learned is that in the kingdom of heaven, fruitfulness matters. That we need to prepare the heart. We need to prepare our lives to receive the word of God. The message of the kingdom. The gospel. The good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. Of, of what it means to live a holy life. 
we've learned that the kingdom has supernatural growth potential. That the kingdom of heaven was meant to spread from here to everywhere. We've learned that the kingdom has great value. And that value is the person of Jesus Christ, not just the benefits of being kingdom people. So our focus needs to be on the person of Jesus Christ. So this morning, we look at the, in this fourth message, we actually go back and we look at the second parable that Jesus tells, this being the parable of the weeds. And in this parable, we see that in similar fashion to the first, Jesus tells of a sower who sows good seed, Jesus says. But different from the first, where this good seed also lands on good soil, Jesus says that there's somebody else who goes out and he sows bad seed among the good seed. And up come weeds among the wheat. Now, spring has sprung, at least more recently maybe than a few weeks ago. And with it, warmer weather, sunshine, rain, and all that good stuff. And everyone's favorite weed has begun to grow up in the middle of our lawns, right? Those yellow heads that pop up all over the place. Every kid likes to think they're flowers. But those of us who are a bit more OCD in our thinking and have a perfectly manicured lawn, that dandelion isn't quite so kind looking. Not so pleasant to see. And that weed is obvious. It's bright yellow amongst the green grass. But the, the weeds that Jesus talks about in this parable are quite different. The weeds that, talk, that Jesus talks about in this parable are referred to, they're zazania. They're, 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 they're Commonly known, what we might refer to as ryegrass, um, it, it grows up, it, darnel is the shortened word for that, but it, it grows up and as it grows, it and the wheat would look virtually identical. And you would not be able, the layperson perhaps would not be able to tell the difference between the wheat and the weeds. And this wheat grows up and it steals the sunshine and the nourishment and its, its roots get entangled with the weed underneath the soil. And Jesus says, if you uproot the weeds with the wheat, or uproot the weeds, you'll damage the wheat in the process. So he says, leave them be. Let them grow together till such a time as the harvest comes and then we'll be able to sort them based on the fruit that they've produced. So Jesus says, leave them be. And I think this tells us something about the kingdom that will become the focus of what we talk about this morning. And that is this, the kingdom of heaven is patient. There is patience in this kingdom in which we now live. God is so patient. 
He is so patient with us while we wait the coming harvest. I think there are two ways or two reasons why God is patient. First of all, I think God is patient because he waits for spiritual maturity. He waits for spiritual maturity. He leaves us where we are planted as believers in Jesus Christ so that we can become fruitful people, full of love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, the fruit of the Spirit. He leaves us planted here so that we can grow in Him. Paul says it to the Colossians, continue to live your lives in Jesus, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Jesus said in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. When you became a Christian, you were left here with the purpose of being fruitful. But it's easy to get caught up in this world in which we live with all of the weeds that live among us. We see it everywhere. It can impact our lives if, if we're not careful. Anxiety, depression... Quarrels, fights, disagreements, discord, disunity, bitterness, animosity, rage. The weeds grow with the wheat. And our minds need to be focused on Christ. So that we can grow more in spiritual maturity. So that we can understand the true value of the kingdom. So that we can, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, overflow with thanksgiving even though we live in a world full of weeds. It's hard to be thankful sometimes, isn't it? I found it especially hard to be thankful the morning of April 21st. Do you all remember what that morning looked like when you walked out the door? Not quite the spring sunshine you hoped to see, was it? And you know, even as a full-blooded Canadian citizen, I am disgusted by late April snow. Four inches or so of snow all over the ground. It was disgusting. And as I looked out over the lawn, lawn, right, what you could see of it, that morning, and I looked across, and we live just across the driveway from, from my in-laws, and, and as I looked across, I saw the beautiful magnolia tree that was in full bloom, and I saw the weight of this snow that had fallen on the flowers and the early leaves, and it had collapsed the branches, some of them all the way to the ground. And then I looked closer and I saw that one of the main offshoots of that tree had snapped, and it was laying halfway on the ground. 
And then my mother-in-law came to me uh, later that day or the next day, I'm not sure, and, and she was telling me how sorry she was that, that this had happened. She, she recounted the story that, you know, this is the tree that my wife, Annette, and her siblings climbed in when they were kids. This is a tree that, that my kids still climbed in right up until that branch broke off because that was the one they liked to climb in. And my daughter would climb up, Eliza would climb up, she'd pick the flowers off. Don't tell my mother-in-law, she's sitting right over here, but don't tell her that she would pick the flowers off and she'd give them to my wife, she'd give them to me. She'd say, Daddy, put it in your hair. It looked like, I don't even know, some princess from a Disney movie or something. But when I looked at that tree that morning, I saw death and destruction. And I went into work disgusted on my 35-minute drive into Muncie, and I walked into the office, and I, and I looked at one of the, my co-workers there. It was the first person I saw in the morning. Her name is Amber, and I said, quite the April Fool's joke we had on the 21st of April this morning, isn't it? And she said, I know, isn't it beautiful? I kid you not, that's what she said. Isn't it beautiful? She said, all the way to work this morning, I looked out and I saw these beautiful colors of purple and yellow and red just bursting through the, the snow on this perfect blanket of pure white snow and the buds and the trees and the colors just bursting forth. And I'm sure my face looked at her much the same way it looked at that tree in full disgust. <laughs> but here's the point. Amber and I looked at the very same world that morning and we saw two very different things. I saw death and destruction, and she saw beauty bursting forth through that snow. Spiritual maturity, at least in part, is to be able to look out on the world. And even though the snow is there, to see hope, to see a future, to see beauty... It's not easy to do, but I think that's one of the things that spiritual maturity brings. And it takes, a it, takes, it takes a supernatural working for that to happen. Because it's very easy to get caught up in the death and destruction, the chaos, all that's out there in the world. It's very easy to see, and if you allow it to, it will tear you down. But God wants you to be, yeah, Siri doesn't understand that in case you were wondering. She could take a lesson from the word of God this morning. <laughs> that if you're not careful, it will bring you down. But God wants you to be a person of joy and of peace, of kindness, gentleness. He wants you to be a fruitful and fruit-filled Follower of Jesus Christ. It takes a changing of the mind, though, and it's something that only God himself can do. It's nothing you can muster up in your own strength to be able to do that. I think that's why Paul said in Romans 12 that it's by the renewing or the transforming of your mind 
that you're able to test and approve what the good and pleasing and perfect will of God is. I think it's why Paul said that we're supposed to take every thought captive and bring it under subjection or into the obedience of Jesus Christ. I think it's why Paul also challenged us to think about such things. Whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is pure, and whatever is lovely, whatever is honorable, to think about such things. And I think when we do that, when we think about the excellent and praiseworthy things of this world, that's when we are better positioned to rejoice in the Lord always. I think that's when we can let our gentleness become evident to all. These are not my words, by the way. They're Paul's words from the same, very same passage in Philippians there. I think that's when, when we can be challenged not to be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition to present our requests of God. And with thanksgiving, present those requests to Him. And that when we do so, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, can guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. It's a battle of the mind, but I think there's some things that we can do to help foster a space where God can move. I think there's some things we can do. I think we can read the Bible. We can hear God's words in his own word. Hear what God has to say in his own words. I think we can also pray or meditate. We'll go to meditate first. We can attune ourselves to those words. Easter meditation is about emptying. We don't like to think of it. It's kind of a hokey word for us a lot in our Western culture because we think of Eastern meditation, which is to empty oneself. And the Christian discipline of meditation is quite different. The Christian discipline of meditation, we should be filling ourselves with the words of God, thinking about them, meditating on them, ruminating on them, thinking about who God is, how God loves, and how we interact, have the blessing of interacting with that love in our daily lives. We can pray. We can talk to God in, in our own words. So if reading the Bible is hearing God in His words, praying is talking to God in our words. I don't know if there's a right or wrong prayer language to have, I know there's some that sound more holy than others. <laughs> I remember when I was pastoring up in Wabash, there, there was a, a lovely lady, 93 years old, by the name of Ruth. She's gone home to be with the Lord now, but she used to pray in King James Version. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever had one of those older statesman-like people in your spiritual walk, but she prayed in King James Version, and it was the most amazing thing for her to hear, and, and, or for me to hear as her pastor, and she would start, and she'd be really quiet, and it would be really, like, somber, and she'd be so, like, careful with her words and whispering prayers to God, and it would, as she prayed, it would just build and build, and it would get more and more King James Version with the these and thous and thys and all of this stuff. She'd get really worked up and loud, and she'd run out of breath because she's 93 years old, and then she'd start over, and she'd take a deep breath, and she'd start right back down, be really quiet, and she'd build and build and build and build. She could go on, I, she'd go on for hours, I'm sure of it, and I'm sure she did in her home. 
Praying to God is simply talking to God in your own words. Letting him know what's going on. What's bothering you? What are you happy about? What are you thankful? Praying for other people. Praying for those who are out there weighted down by the stresses and the anxieties of this world. Talking to God. We can pray. We can also worship. We can respond to God for all that he is doing with thankfulness and adoration. Jared spoke of this in last week in quite a bit of detail. I won't go back into it, but just worshiping him for who he is. Because he's worthy of our worship. And if we allow God to renew our minds, we'll be well positioned to help in the second part of the harvest the second reason why God patiently waits, and that is this. He waits for a response. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to eternal life, to salvation, to have an opportunity to respond to the good news of the gospel. We, as believers, are left here. We're not taken up immediately upon our profession of faith in Christ, in part because we have a role to play in this process. As believers, we don't just bar the doors of our home, sit back in the recliner, watch Fox News or CNN, and watch the world burn. That is not our responsibility as believers of Jesus Christ, we have a greater call. And that is to help the world know that there is hope. There is healing. There is a gospel. Good news. It's our job to be involved in that process. Sometimes we plant, sometimes we water, sometimes we have the great joy of being the one who gets to bring a person or help a person across the threshold of faith, to be involved in that part of the harvest. What your role is isn't as important as that you get in the game, that you're part of the process. Paul understood this. Paul understood this when he said, I planted, Apollos watered, but it's God who brings the growth. That's his job. I'm simply involved. I'm doing something. I'm part of this process. The third thing, uh, or rather the, the couple of things just as we're closing here that, that just to rehash, and I know the NFL draft ended yesterday and... and uh, there's something they tell everybody, I think, at least it's the way they portray it in the movies. They say, you're on the clock, right? For the Indianapolis Colts, you're on the, I'm on the clock. So we're going to wrap it up here today. I was told there's no, um, no promise of my safety if I go beyond 25 minutes. I'm not kidding. That was told to me. So anyway, we're going to wrap it up here. But there's a few things that I want us to remember. First of all, we can grow in Christian maturity. Secondly, we can make a kingdom impact. We must make a kingdom impact. Third, one thing I want to share with you this morning and as we're involved in this, there's one responsibility that's also not ours. We are not to judge. It's not our place. 
Remember Jesus, he, uh, he shares this parable, and in this parable, it, the, the darnel and the wheat grow up, and they're virtually indistinguishable until the harvest. It's not our place to judge which is wheat, which is weed. That's not our responsibility, folks. Remember, if you're ever tempted to pass judgment on another person, God is not done with that person. You may be passing judgment on somebody that God is still working on. And there is still hope for that person. As long as there is still breath in their lungs, there is still hope for that individual. Your job is to influence, not to judge. So easy to judge. Now there's... Another truth here. We, we've been, most of what I've been talking about this morning has been directed towards those who are already Christians. But there's another word here that's important for us to know. And it would be irresponsible of me not to share this part. There is a coming judgment. There is coming a day when the wheat and the weeds, the good fish and the bad fish, will be gathered and sorted. We don't like to focus on this a lot in church today. I don't really know why that is. Maybe it's because we like to look at the, the good side of the, uh, of the harvest coin, so to speak. We like to think about no more crying, no more suffering, no more pain, streets of gold, being with Jesus for eternity, and all of that is great. All of that is true. That is a promise that we will experience in full at one day. But there's another side. There's another side to this harvest, and this harvest is those who do not believe there will, they will experience an eternal separation from God. They will not be called into the storehouse of the Master. Now, I don't know what this fiery furnace looks like that Jesus refers to in these parables. But this much I do know, it's not going to be good. And it would be irresponsible of me to stand here and suggest that that is not a coming reality. And I don't want you this morning to walk out of here without knowing that God has provided a way for you to be gathered up with the wheat and brought into the storehouse of the Master. That was offered to you through the person of Jesus Christ. That through faith in Him and the work that He accomplished on the cross, you can be changed. Maybe you're part of the weeds in this world right now, maybe you're lost in the weeds. 
part of the blessing of the gospel is that change is possible. You can be made new, transformed. You can become a new creation, the Bible says. Judgment seems harsh. Separation seems harsh. But what I see from this parable that Jesus shares is not a harsh and unloving God, but a loving God who patiently waits. He could have wiped it all out, but he didn't. Because he wants those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ to grow in spiritual maturity. To be fruitful. To experience all of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He wants some of the fruit that we bring forth also to be those who come behind us. Those who we've influenced. He, wait, he patiently waits for the harvest so that there are weeds that can be transformed into wheat, that can join us in this harvest party. Listen to the words of Peter as he writes, Do not overlook this one fact, beloved. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise as some count slowness. But he is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these... Be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count this patience of our Lord as salvation. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. In this passage we learn the purpose of God's patience spiritual growth kingdom expansion spiritual growth kingdom expansion if you're here this morning in this room or if you're joining with us online and you are a Christian you're a follower of Jesus Christ God is patiently waiting this coming harvest so that you can grow. So that you can read your Bible. So that you can meditate on His Word. So that you can pray. So that you can worship. And a whole lot of other disciplines of the Christian faith like fasting. Getting together with other believers on a Sunday morning so that we can grow together in Christian community. I didn't talk about all of them. I don't have time. But God is patiently waiting so that you can grow. God is patiently waiting so that you can get into the the harvest party. 
And this morning is an opportunity for you to respond to that invitation. If you're wandering in the weeds, God is offering you this word. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So I'm praying for you this morning. Because the reality is, just as I am on the clock and now past the clock, you are on the clock. You are on the clock. The NFL draft is an important day for teams. It can change the direction for the foreseeable future. Choosing Jesus has the potential to change, not the potential, it will change the direction of your life, both now, here in this present kingdom, and forever, for eternity, in His coming kingdom. Let me pray. Father, we thank You that You are loving. You are a good, good Father. And I know that there is a lot going on in this world. There is a lot of distraction. There is a lot of disruption to our lives. And even in it, God, you are sovereign. You care. You are in control. Nothing escapes your eyes. And so, this morning, God, I thank you for... I thank you that you're patient with us, that you love each and every one of us, that you desire for us to grow in in Christian maturity, spiritual maturity. You want us and you equip us to be fruitful people. And God, I thank you this morning that you have withheld your judgment for this season. That those who are not yet part of the kingdom can get in. They can be changed. So God, I pray for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ that we would take up the mantle of the gospel. That we would go into the harvest. That is, we would be workers in this great harvest. We know that the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Your Bible tells us that. I pray that we would get in the game that we would make the influence that is necessary on this world to bring about hope and healing to a people who are lost and dying. And if there be anyone in this world this morning, anyone in this place this morning, anyone watching online this morning or in the recording hereafter that does not know Jesus as Savior, may today be the day of their salvation. May today be the day that they call out to you as the one who can bring about change. Thank you, God, for your love, for your grace, for your mercy on us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.